Hello, and welcome to the Sabbatus Community Baptist Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Here's Pastor Russ. Amen. You can be seated. You know, I'm just so thankful that uh, we are part of a church that uh, attracts every generation, including young families, and uh, even though when we didn't have ministries for them, uh, that they would still continue to come. That is such a blessing. And, uh, you know, the title of today's message is here, a passage is there. You're returning, uh, if you would, to that passage. But before we really kind of get into uh, today's message, I want to share uh, a post that I saw recently on Facebook, and you may have seen it as well. Uh, and if I can take this post at face value, which I don't know you always can, but if I can, uh, it's from Frida Kahlo, I think, and I'm assuming it's the Frida Kahlo from uh, early 1900s, a Mexican painter, I'm guessing, because they didn't give any kind of uh, any other additional information, so I'm assuming it's her. But here's what it says. Frida Kahlo, uh, Kahlo told her husband, I'm not asking you to kiss me nor apologize to me when I think you're wrong. I won't even ask you to hug me when I need it most. I don't ask you to tell me how beautiful I am, even if it's a lie, nor write me anything beautiful. I won't ask you to call me to tell me how your day went, nor tell me that you miss me. I won't ask you to thank me for everything I do for you, nor to care about me when my soul is down. And of course, I won't ask you to support me in my decisions. I won't even ask you to listen to me when I have a thousand stories to tell you. I won't ask you to do anything, not even be by my side forever, because if I have to ask you, I don't want it anymore. I don't want it anymore. And uh, <laughs> Now, the more I, I, I considered those comments, because they've been rattling in my head most of the week, the more I consider uh, those comments, the, the more certain I am that I will not be asking you to, or encouraging you to run to those that you love and rattle it off to them, you know, as something the pastor told me to say this. I'm not going to ask you to do that um, because we're not going to find somebody who can meet all of those expectations all of the time, right? We're not gonna, we're not gonna find them. And you know, even, even couples uh, who love each other and who have spent years and years, you know, even 30, 40 years or more, uh, sometimes need to be kind of clued in, you know, uh, uh, on our subtle communication. Even after 40 years, it shouldn't be subtle anymore, but it, 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 sometimes you have to be clued in uh, on that and, and be clued in on some of our, our deepest needs, our deepest felt needs. And sometimes we're still figuring those things out after that many years, right? So, so that, that is true. And, 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 but what those comments, what that post and the comments within that post uh, do communicate to me uh, is the fact that deep down inside each and every one of us, I mean, we want to be seen. We want to be loved. We want to be known, right? Deep down inside of all of us, we want those things. And, and, and we, we want to be loved unconditionally. We, we want that. Uh, we want to be loved genuinely. We, we want to be loved unselfishly. We want unselfish love 
coming our way. And we even want sacrificial love if, if whatever situation would demand it, right? That's what we want. And, and, and even though, even though we know uh, that that type of love doesn't come natural f- from us or, or doesn't come naturally out of us, we want it. We, I would go as far as say we crave it. We crave to have that. We know it doesn't come out of us naturally, but we crave it. We want it deep down inside. Uh, and, uh, and guess what? So, so does everybody else. So does everybody else in our life. They want it. They need it. They crave it. Okay? But it doesn't come natural to them either. But they know they need it, just like us. We're not all that different from the people around us, although we often live as if we have different standards, right? Uh, us and everybody else. Uh, so, so, but they do too. They need it. And, and you know, I personally believe, really thinking through the, the, the core of what was being said there, and I personally believe one of the essential elements that makes the gospel of Jesus Christ so powerful is his example and his expression of exactly that kind of love. He loved like that. And it makes his gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, unbelievably powerful because he did it. He, he lived in such a way that meets our greatest, deepest needs. Sometimes we don't even know we need it as much as we do. And so I think that's what makes the, the, the gospel so powerful. He lived that kind of a life. And so learning to love one another like Christ, it's, that's going to be the focus of this week's message. And before we open God's Word, I'm going to be at lots of places. I don't know if you notice, I have tabs on here. Usually I'm going all those places this week, so we're going to be bouncing around. But before we get into that, let's ask God to bless our time as we open His Word. Pray with me. Lord, thank You. Uh, thank You for um, everything that we find in Your Word. Lord, thank You that it is, it's relevant, it's true, it's right, it's good. But thank You for especially for the things that we learn about you uh, from your word. Amazing things, Lord. Uh, things that actually meet our deepest needs. And help us today as we, as we open your word and we start taking a look at the life of your son Jesus, that, that we would recognize the things that we can, uh, we can learn, but we can also put into our lives today. So God, I pray that your word would affect us uh, in a powerful way this morning. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, learning to love one another like Christ. And I've chosen, and you can see where the passage is, we're going to start. I've chosen Romans 5, 6, and, 6 through 8 as our starting point. Uh, because what we find there uh, in, in these verses not only clearly describes, maybe a little too clearly for comfort, uh, describes our condition before salvation, but it also clearly describes how wonderful the love of God truly is. So let's read Romans 5, 6 to 8 together. Hopefully you're there. And it says this, For when we, speaking to Christians here, it's a, a, a professing believer, it says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. Oh, but God 
demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All right, so, so according to the, the, those few verses, we were not only without strength or, or you could say powerless uh, to earn his love, uh, but we were also ungodly sinners. And if, and if that wasn't bad enough, we were actively engaged in our sinful ways. We were in the middle of it. We were neck deep in our sin when he expressed his love for us. And that's important. Uh, you know, I, I think this, this is a universally true statement I'm about to share with you. Prior to anyone's salvation, right? Because all of us are in need of salvation, right? We, we, we need Jesus uh, from the very beginning. So, but, but prior to that, if we've accepted the good news of Jesus, prior to anyone's salvation, there was absolutely nothing about us that merited or warranted God's love, right? We were in our sin. And that is universally true. I mean, we wish it was different. We see some people acting on it more than others, right? But before we're saved, there was nothing in us that we can say, well, that right there was the reason why God loved me. That nothing warranted God's love. God, but God's love was demonstrated or made evident by Christ dying for us while we were still sinners. So not only did, did we personally bring nothing to the table uh, that made us worthy to be loved by God, but I would go as far as to say that nobody in all of humanity's history, of course apart from Jesus, uh, brought anything to the table that would motivate a righteous, holy, perfect God to love them or love us like he did, like he does. Okay, we don't bring anything. We don't have anything of worth. So, but, but he loves us because he is a God who loves. He loves us because it's part of his character. It's who he is. He is a God of love. And, and I believe that he created us. I know that he created us, but I believe he created us uh, with a, a deep-seated desire or, or need to be unconditionally loved. He built us that way. And, and, and I got thinking, why would he do that? Why would he build us with this need to be loved in a way that nobody else around us can meet? Why would he build us with that? And, and, and I think it's so, it is for that very reason. It, it is so that no one and nothing uh, could fill the void in our being that is designed to be filled by relationship with him. He built us with something that only he could genuinely fill. Others can try, can do their best, right? But we know that. We're going to let us down. It's not going to be able to fill that completely. So I think he built us with a need for him. So we knew we need him. So, so I think he does that. And, and, you know, so now before salvation, we have nothing at our disposal or within our being that would merit God's love. But after salvation, I really think we do. I think we have... Uh, some amazing things we have uh, he talks about we have a new heart I know that's his work I get it but we have it right we, we have a new heart 
Uh, we, we have a new nature, a desire to do what's right at that point. And we, of course, we have the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit living within us. So that is amazing as well. So when God looks upon those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, he sees us through Christ's righteousness that has been given to us at the moment of salvation. And, and, and that's true. It's theologically true. I could back that up. I could show you passages where that's what he does. When he sees us then, at the moment of salvation, he sees us through Christ's righteousness. All right? He looks down. But listen, that's from his perspective. Right? No doubt. He, that's what he sees. Right? That's his perspective. And that is true that it's his perspective. But, but I, want, I want to learn to become like Christ. I don't want to just be viewed through Christ's righteousness. Uh, and I know it's true, and I'm so happy it is. But I want to start to learn to, to actually uh, live like Christ. I want to learn to become like Christ. I want to learn to love one another. I want to learn to love you like Christ loves you in practice. Okay, so I want both. I mean, I'm, okay, can eat it too, I guess. I don't know. But I want both. I want God to, to see me that way, and I'm so thankful. But I also want to start living it. I want that to be the way it is, you know. And there are so many places that we could have gone within the scriptures uh, where Jesus demonstrated his love for people. And often, you know, we, we, I don't know which ones come to your mind, but uh, often... Nothing to see. <laughs> Don't look behind. <laughs> Don't look behind the, the curtain, right? That's a that's a reference only a few of us will get. <laughs> kind of ages us. Uh, so, um, like I was saying, that there you know there are so many places that that we could have gone within the scriptures that where Jesus demonstrated that. And often what we'll do is we'll find is that people come up to him and and they are they're asking him for help and they are begging him for for help and. Sometimes that help is, you know, you know, physical help or, or, or you know, they, they have some things going on in their life so they need to have some deliverance uh, from, could be in possession or whatever, uh, but they have all of that going, going on. And sometimes even we'll see Jesus is approached, you know, where I've lost somebody. We talked about that today. And I've lost somebody and I want them back. And sometimes he would do that. But often he was, he'd have these, these works uh, asked of him but 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 sometimes Jesus would just he would just see a need he would just see a need and and then uh, his compassion for the person or his compassion for the situation would just cause him to act in a loving way in order to meet those needs so sometimes he wasn't even approached and asked for it and he just saw it I'm going to take care of it Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix those needs. And, and I want to read over a few of those passages.
passages uh, where we get a chance, I, I think we get a chance to sort of peer into the heart of our Savior. We get a chance to see what was going on inside of him. Not just did he follow the Father's plan, of course he did, right? Not obviously perfect, yes, but what was going on in the heart of Jesus? Uh, and, and we know some wonderful things about him. Of course, yes, he is the Son of God. Uh, yes, he is a great teacher. Yes, he's a miracle worker, and he's an amazing leader. That's kind of a lot of what we're talking about today. But he is also a man of great compassion that, That genuinely sees people. He sees people. Uh, and, 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 and that comes out of the, of the scriptures if you will take a moment and let it affect you. You will see that Jesus was a man who sees people. Now I know that this next passage, that we're going to be oh, moving over to Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 34. And I know that we've covered uh, this, this passage previously, but, but turn with me there to Mark, Mark 6, 30 to 34, and <clears throat> this is the passage where we see Jesus feeds the 5,000, right? We talked, I don't know how many weeks ago that was, but he feeds the 5,000. So let's read over it again, uh, but this time I want us to take note, uh, a note of um, the emotion that Jesus felt. Uh, I kind of alluded to it already, but, but let's just read about it here so it's not just my words, it's coming from God's word. So Mark 6, 30 to 34 says this, then the apostles gathered <clears throat> to Jesus and told him all things. Remember that he had sent them out and they were coming back with reports of, of doing his work. Uh, both of what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, oh, oh, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest for a while. Well, why would he do that? Well, here it is right in the scriptures. For there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. That's how busy they were, okay? doing ministry. So they listened to him. They, they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves, but the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot. So they were going on the boat, but they're like, I know where they're going, and they ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him, and Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. So not only were the, the disciples exhausted and, and so busy uh, that, that they weren't able to find time to eat, but it appeared that Jesus had faced some of the same stresses. And, and uh, you know, I think you're going to probably find this is true in your life. I know it's true in mine. Need and, and opportunity seldom pick convenient times to present themselves. Needs and opportunities seldom pick uh, convenient times to present themselves into our lives. And you know, just with Jesus and his disciples here, just uh, as they were getting away from all of the demands. It wasn't as if they weren't doing ministry. They had been doing so much for ministry, they needed a break, right? So just as they were, they were getting uh, away from all those demands, well, they were met by this great multitude. More need, more opportunity. And, and Jesus could have, 
And he would have had every right to have said, I'm sorry, come back tomorrow. You know, ministry is done for today. You need to come back. He could have said that, but he didn't. He didn't. And, and instead, when he saw the great multitude, and I don't think it was just any great multitude. I mean, this multitude he saw, he saw something in them. And uh, they were like sheep not having a shepherd. When he saw that, his compassion for their situation urged him uh, to meet their need, even though he was tired, even though he was hungry, and probably even though he would have really wanted to be spending time with his disciples, hearing what was going on, you know, just, just being present with them to hear how wonderful their ministry outreach was. He probably really just wanted to be with them. You know, he's a man. And, and, he, and he, was, he, was, he had taught them, he had equipped them, he had sent them out, and he was, they wanted to share, and who wouldn't want to sit there in that moment? So Jesus, I'm sure, wanted to do that uh, as well. He wanted to hear what they had to say, and it, and it makes me think, so I hope you know that you know, I present these messages, they aren't just for you, they're for, for me too, right? So it, it makes me think, and it should make you think, uh, how do I typically respond to genuine needs that arrive at inconvenient times? How do I respond? Not just someone who just wants something again for the millionth time, but they really don't want to change or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about genuine needs that arrive on our doorsteps, so to speak, at really inconvenient times. What, how do I respond? You ought to ask yourself that. I've been asking myself that, okay? Uh, will I love others for whatever reason um, if it's not easy to do at that moment you know um, so if I'm serious about learning to love one another like Christ then I will and I, and I should right I should I should get over that hurdle within myself uh, and I think we have to and and uh, so so I'm serious about that uh, by doing what we're talking about doing, Jesus is our example, and trying to follow that example, we're going to see some of that stuff in him. So we really ought to be trying our best to do it. And uh, so, you know, when his body and his mind were probably, I know I'm, I'm, it doesn't say it here, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just guessing because I know his humanity, okay? So when his body and mind were probably telling him no, no, his heart was telling him yes. Yes, now's the time. Now's the time for this group. Now's the time. I must. I must. I don't feel like it, but I must. And, and, um, and I hope you know that Jesus can be internally conflicted uh, and still not be a sinner. Okay? He can have some internal conflict going on and, and still uh, not be a sinner, still remain sinless. And uh, for our next passage, let's, just, let's turn to uh, the Gospel of John. So we'll go ahead a little bit here. John chapter uh, 11, verses 20 to 44. And um, uh, within this interaction, this is between Jesus and Mary and Martha, and we see some real emotional turmoil uh, that Jesus was processing because he loved them so much. He genuinely loved them so much. And many of us have heard the story of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave after being dead 
four full days. And, and we're not going to read the whole story. We're going to be picking it up sort of midway in verse 20. So the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 20 to 44. So we're going to read a pretty good portion of this, but this is what it says. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, now this must have been hard to hear, okay? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Well, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, hold on, this is good, because this is those, that Jesus has been teaching them some amazing truths, okay, about the future, and they knew this. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, oh, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is come into the world. And when she had said these things, well, she went her way and, and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, well, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Well, then the Jews who were with her, which with Mary, in the house and comforting her, when they saw her, they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out following her, saying, oh, she, she's going to the tomb to weep there. So they're making this assumption. That's where she's going. Well, then Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying to him again, listen, what one sister says, the other one says the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And the Jews said, oh, see how he loved them. And some of them said, he said, the other people that are watching from the outside, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Well, then Jesus again, groaning within himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and there was a stone that laid against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, Lord, by this time there's a stench for it's, it's been four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe that you would see the glory of God? And they took the stone away and from the place from where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, he's praying. This is God the Son praying to God the Father in, in plain view of everyone. Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me. Don't miss this part. But because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And, and he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him 
and let them go. Let them go. An amazing story. I could preach on that for weeks and weeks and weeks. I'm not going to, but, but listen, there are few times uh, in, in, in our lives when our need for comfort and support are greater than when someone close to us dies. There are a few times in our life where we could ever need that more than at those moments. And, and some of the backstory which we didn't talk about makes it very, very clear that Jesus hesitated till Lazarus had passed away before he traveled to see Mary and Martha. And the reason is God had a plan. God had a plan. And part of that plan was for the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. But this is the hard part for us to wrestle with. But his plan, his good plan, uh, also brought with it very real suffering. His plan to have this miracle in reality in the lives of the people brought about very real suffering. I mean, Lazarus, think about him. I mean, he went through the process of literally dying. That was obviously, we don't know exactly of what, but he had to go through that process twice, by the way. This is the first time, right? So, so he had to go through that. Mary and Martha, you could hear it. They experienced unimaginable sorrow and suffering because they were lost their brother. And you can hear from the text the emotional toll that that took within Jesus because he loved them and he was their friend. So it affected him uh, as well. He wasn't immune uh, from the suffering that following the Father's plan was here in this situation. Uh, his love for them was so obvious by his emotional reaction that we have it in the Scriptures that the Jews picked up on it. They saw it in him. They understood by his response that he had this deep love for this family. All right? And, and can you imagine, though, having the loss of your brother and, and the weight of that suffering that you have been experiencing for the past four days instantaneously relieved? Can you imagine? It's like instantaneously fixed in this miraculous way what would that have felt like to have four days of this oppressive suffering just lifted from from you and 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 it didn't appear from any of the scripture that any of them asked jesus to resurrect lazarus all right jesus had it within his power obviously he did it right he had it within his power and it was part of the father's plan but I also imagine it was very satisfying for Jesus to be able to help them in this way. In the moment when he saw what it did, it must have been very satisfying for him. Now, as a pastor, how do, we bring, how do I bring application uh, into our lives from, from that experience? Well, I can tell you that it won't be... Uh, uh, I'll tell you what, it won't be happening. It won't be because we're going to be raising people from the dead every time someone that we know is suffering through it. That's not going to happen. All right. But, but there are so many uh, other ways that we can meet spoken or even unspoken needs when people around us are suffering because we are going to have that opportunity. 
All right? Uh, I mean, I wish that none of us would have to go through something as horrible as losing uh, someone very close to us, a loved one. But the reality is it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And if you're not sure how to, to show love in, in situations like that or to show support in situations uh, like that, I'm going to just tell you I, what you ought to do is ask somebody that you know who has walked through the grieving process in their past. Take the time and ask someone that you know who's done it, who's on the other side of it. And I'm just going to kind of buffer that a little bit. Try to be careful that it's not too fresh of an experience. But, uh, but many people who have walked that horrible path will be more than happy to share with you after the fact what things were or maybe what things would have been most helpful in those moments, okay? And, and so, and I would just say, if you, if you have enough courage to do that, and I think you should, I would just say this, listen carefully to them. Listen carefully to them. Even if you don't completely understand, you know, in your own, your own reality, but listen carefully to them because they know what they're talking about. They've been there. They've been through it. Okay, so if you're looking for some real answers on what to do, listen to someone who's gone through it. And you know, sometimes what I've heard more, more often than almost anything else is this, sometimes simply being present. Just be, I don't know what to say. You might not need to say anything. Just simply being present. Sometimes just another human being in the room that is empty otherwise, okay, brings comfort that, that, is, that is undescribable. They don't even know why it feels so good. There's just another person breathing in the room uh, is, what, is what they need, okay? Uh, so you may be thinking, well, I don't know if I can do that. You know, I have a hard time seeing and I have a hard time meeting other people's needs. It doesn't come natural to me, and, and, and that might be true. Not everything comes as easy for everybody, right? That, that might be true, and that might be an honest assessment of how you feel uh, but God not only wants us to love one another but he expects us to love one another so listen to what uh, John 13 we're going to skip ahead a little bit here just a chapter or so John 13 verses 33 to 35 uh, listen to what that has to say John 13 33 to 35 Jesus is going to be talking about when he's going to be gone in a few, a few days here. And he says, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So not only, does, not only does Jesus command us to love one another, but he says that the results of our loving one another will be that, that the world will know that we're his followers. The world will know that we're doing our best to follow him and follow his example because genuine love 
for others. It's an identifying character quality of Jesus. And it ought to be a, a, an identifying character quality of those who are following Jesus, who have learned from him in a real way that matters to their lives, okay? Uh, so, so learning to love one another is so important. I mean, those of the world will see it, and, and because of, the, hopefully, the genuine sincerity of the actions, they're going to have to acknowledge something. They're going to have to acknowledge within themselves. Remember, they're built with the very same need. They just haven't met Jesus yet, right? So they're going to have to acknowledge within themselves that what they are seeing is Christ in us. Something I wish I had, something I wish I could do, but I, I, I know I need, but I haven't got it. You know, and, and, but I hear about this Jesus, and every once in a while I see some people that say that they know him doing things I wish I could do. Just can't muster it up, you know. So they, they see it. They see, they're going to have to come to the conclusion that they see Christ in us. So learning to love one another like Christ, it, it, it is truly that powerful. It, you might not see the results. They might not tell you. It may be something they think about in a hotel room all by themselves later on, next week, next year. I don't know. But, but loving like Christ is truly that powerful. It has the ability to turn people's lives around. It absolutely does, and turn them to the Savior. Okay, so let's move ahead to one final passage today, and still in the Gospel of John, here's a couple more chapters ahead. John 15, 12 to 17. So, John 15, 12 to 17. And um, this is what it says. This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends and of course Jesus was speaking of himself here and you are my friends if you do whatever I command you no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I've made known to you you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Now that passage uh, there was um, it's actually connected to the passage we're going to be dealing with in our small group ministry all right and uh, it's a passage where previously a few verses previous here Jesus describes himself as the vine and the father is the vine dresser and us as the branches all right but no question uh, that, that Jesus here is referring to his sacrificial love that will be expressed on the cross for them and and after telling them to go and to bear fruit for the kingdom he says in verse 17 these things I've commanded you that you love one another. I'm not going to say that that's always easy, but I'm going to tell you one thing that I know for sure. That God never commands us to do something that's beyond our ability. He wouldn't do that to us. He wouldn't say go do something that we had no ability to go do. Uh, he isn't cruel like that. 
And often, uh, we need to depend on Him for the power to accomplish it. But if we are His children, we have access to Him through prayer. All right, so, so when you don't know what to do, uh, or, or you don't know how to respond, and, and you're not sure how to best love another person, ask God. I'm, I'm not even kidding. That, it is that simple. Ask God, even in that moment before the next words come out of your mouth or before you turn on your heels or whatever, ask God right then and there. And, and, and you know, when you don't know what to do, you need to go to Him. And, and the reason is, that's where the power is. That's where the true power lies to live out this Christian life. We don't have it within ourselves, of ourselves. We need to ask for it. We have all the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the discernment that exists at our disposal within God. And, and it's, a, it's a resource that so many of His children, for whatever reason, hesitate to draw from. It's like we, we just, I know what to do, I'm going to do it. And we hesitate to draw from the source that has the wisdom to know that, listen, this person in this situation may look exactly the same to you, but guess what? It's not, because they're a different person with different issues and different struggles and different responses. So we need to, even if we're like 99.99% sure of what to do next, take a moment and ask God for discernment in this situation, because He might be asking you to do it slightly differently, because we're all different, right? So, but we have that available to us, and I would just say, don't make the foolish mistake of not asking, not drawing from that resource that we have. All right, says, so God wants us to ask. He, he knows that we need to ask. So he tells us to ask. He promises that he's going to bless us if we do ask. So why don't we ask? We need to not be so foolish or so prideful, whatever it is to not ask. Now, honestly, I don't know. I don't know what you will be facing uh, this coming week. It'll be something, because it's life. All right? I don't know what you're going to be facing this coming week or even this coming year, but what I do know is if you truly desire to learn to love one another like Christ, you will have awesome opportunities to do that. God will make sure that you have those opportunities if you want. He won't force it on you, but if you want to learn to love like Christ, I bet you anything that you will have those opportunities, and maybe sooner than you realize. Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for giving us an example that we could actually relate to. And I know I I pointed out some aspects of of his abilities that not all of us have access to, but you're not calling us to do those things. You're calling us to be like him. You're not calling us to fulfill his calling. You're calling us to fulfill our calling, Lord. And, um, and everyone's different. I just pray that you would help us to be able to focus on the things that you're calling us to do with the resources that you give us. God, you never... Put us in a situation where there's no way out. There's no way to, to, to follow 
your plan. Uh, so, Lord, just many of the times we're the ones in the way. And, uh, and that could be intentional, it could be unintentional, Lord. Uh, but uh, I pray that we would become increasingly dependent upon you. We would come quicker and quicker to turn to you as our one reliable resource, even above ourselves. And God, I pray that you would stretch us, grow us, give us opportunities to do things that we think are beyond our abilities, because they are. And then, Lord, may we be quick to, to draw on your resources and give you glory uh, as we do. We pray that all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please feel free to join us again next week. From all of us here at Sabbatis Community Baptist Church, we hope you have a blessed week.